This is realestateinvestingmastery.com. Oh, yeah. Hello again, everybody. Welcome back to Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. We have part two of our interview with Michael Jake. Uh, our last interview with him, I think, will go into the Hall of Fame as one of the best ones uh, that we've done. And uh, I'm really excited about this next call. We're going to just try to pick up from where we left off. But um, first, I want to just tell you guys to go to our website, realestateinvestingmastery.com. Check it out. We got some really cool stuff in there, and we got some really good bonuses that uh, if you sign up for, you get access to about five hours of video of uh, me and Alex kind of pulling back the curtain, sharing what we do in our business, how we do it, giving you all the nitty gritty details about how we do, how we use uh, virtual assistants, how we do our marketing. Um, it's quite a valuable free bonus that. Uh, we are gladly giving away for free. We just need to go to our website and check it out. Um, and, and you are the spreadsheet king, Joe, and you've got a <laughs> killer spreadsheet in there that shows you how much money you do want to make, plug it in here, and then do this many postcards or this many letters, and it's yeah. just like a money-making spreadsheet. So <laughs> well, you know, got to get your hands on that. We're going to talk a lot about marketing in this episode because – I think Michael and Alex and I would all agree that this business is all about marketing. It's all about leads. And uh, you, you're you not going to have too many problems if you've got a lot of leads coming in. I mean, honestly, um, I don't know anybody who is struggling making money in this business who has a bunch of leads coming in. Um, do you know anybody, Alex? That's <laughs> like that. Um <laughs> Well, if you got people calling you instead of you running after people, it makes things a lot easier, that's for sure. Right. So we talk a lot about that in the free bonuses. Um, and, and that spreadsheet um, Alex is talking about, you know, it's a simple, well, kind of simple spreadsheet. But I just put it together and said, look, if you want to make $120,000 a year, what does that mean? All right, let's work backwards from that. How much is that a month? All right, now how many deals do you need to do per month to do that? Well, let's say you only sell 50-75% of the homes you get under contract. So how many contracts do you need to get per month? All right, well, let's say you, you, you need to talk to an average of 25 sellers to get one deal. How many sellers do you need to talk to every month? All right, how many sellers do you need to talk to every day? And now let's work from there. How many postcards should you be sending out? How many yellow letters? And, you know, you get different kinds of returns on postcards and yellow letters. Um, there's also internet marketing, there's Craigslist marketing, one of my favorite forms of marketing. Um, so how much marketing should you be doing every day to make your $100,000, $120,000 a year? It's important to know those numbers so you're just not shooting in the dark. And you have a plan, you know where you're going. And, and Alex, you talk a lot about um, goals and you know it's, it's easy just to make up a goal of I want to make $100,000 a year, but you can't control that. Talk a little bit about what you mean by that. No, absolutely not. I mean, you you can't you can't go out and say, oh, "I want to make a million dollars." You know, you, that's something you can't control. But what you can control is going out and doing little things, and it's those little things, those little victories that get you headed towards getting over the hump, so to speak. So, let's say um, you, 
even let's say you want to do five deals a month. Well, again, you can't con- can't control that. But what you can control is putting out a hundred bandit signs in one month. Right. You can control put, mailing out five thousand postcards in a month. You can control. And once you can control that, then you can control, okay, I'm going to speak to this many sellers. And then once you can control, I'm going to speak to this many sellers, you can get to the point where you could say, okay, I'm going to be able to get this many contracts. And then once you can control that, then you can say, okay, I'm going to sell this many deals. So it all starts with being able to control what you're doing and realizing what you can control and worrying about that rather than what you can't control. It's all about control. (laughs) (laughs) Very well said. Very well said. Um, So go check out those bonuses at realestateinvestingmastery.com and uh, get a hold of those videos and those spreadsheets. It's all right there. And we talk about this stuff in a lot more detail. Um, So we have Michael on the phone back with us from Colorado Springs. How are you doing, Michael? Fantastic. You're good sounding to be back, man. You're <laughs> awesome. You're sounding really good on that. Uh, we're on Skype right now, folks, and um, it's amazing. High quality. To me. Yeah, <laughs> and it's free. Love free. Free is for me. <laughs> um, we talked about a lot of really cool things uh, last time, Michael, and uh, I sure appreciate you wanting to come back and um, you know listen to us banter. Um, I, I love talking about real estate. One of the things I love about this podcast is now I have an excuse to uh, just shoot the breeze and talk about real estate and find out what other people are doing that's working for them. Um, and we talked about some of the deals you're doing, Michael. I wanted to ask you, could you kind of summarize what, what are your favorite kinds of deals? What do you like doing the most? I I would say my favorite is probably just a good old contract assignment and the creative finance. Uh that's what really gets me jazzed up. Yeah. Um yes, yesterday I did a deal, you know, signed the contract up on the spot. Um literally as I'm leaving the house, I made a post on Facebook uh mentioned that I had a a wholesale opportunity. And literally from one Facebook post, I found a buyer and sold my contract for eight grand. So it's Facebook. you know it 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 it's fun and and yeah. it's almost like a uh, like a game and and it's almost uh, kind of silly how easy it can be. But I I think you know it comes down to how do you get that opportunity? It, it's all in the marketing. It's finding the right person who's got the right kind of property that's going to want to offer that that you're going to give them and then having a, having people that uh that you know that are looking for those opportunities and and just being the deal finder mm-hmm. and and tying it up we'll um, talk a little bit about that stuff, deal what, what was uh sure it? that that was uh an internet-based lead uh that came from a basically a company where i buy leads so it's it's not my website. Uh-huh. Uh, they do pay per click and other types of marketing to drive people to their website, and then they sell leads in their county. and And I'm I'm the guy that gets the leads in my county. Are you at Liberty? What company share? was that? Yeah. Um. It, you want me to share that? If, if, <laughs> Go if, ahead. If it's okay with you. Sure. Uh. No, I don't mind. Uh. Because I got my county. So. <laughs> uh, that one was from House Buyer Network. Ah, I love oh, House Buyer Network. <laughs> I also have exclusive rights to my county here in St. Louis. Okay. 
Um, there's a few, you know, there's a lot of different companies like that. Yeah. Um, I also get leads from Z Buyer. Um, I don't I, as much. <laughs> yeah, they wax and wane. I mean, I'm 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 the backup for my area, so I get them seasoned, but I get them pretty cheap. Um, right. And 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 it's worth it. Um, They're I, I wouldn't like sixty seven dollars to be the first in line, and I'm like, wow, that's like double what i want to pay for a lead i mean like 67 dollars per lead yeah, yeah. Wow. Ha- you can haggle with them a little bit <laughs> uh, <laughs> you you deal with the uh, what's that guy's name is it aaron 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 isn't yeah. he like a super salesman he's like hey michael how are oh, you no, yeah no 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 uh, he's you know he's a good dude i i've i've been <laughs> exclusive is. i've been the the point guy and then they kind of started raising their prices and i kind of <laughs> let them go and, um but there's some other out there, and I mean, I think for any given area, you might find others um, that are that are better or worse. Yeah. Than it, you know, and and you just got to try them out and and kind of commit to them for a while. Um, and and one, you know, there was one company that I used to get. I mean, it was dirt cheap, and I'd buy probably six houses a year, and then all of a sudden they just kind of faded away. Mm. <laughs> Um, there was another one, and I, I can't remember the name of it. But I think they were out of Phoenix, and same thing. They were they were pretty good. I was non-exclusive, um, and I would buy several houses a year from them, and then they just kind of tapered off. So, it's you know, as as I think Google changes the rules, and as other people enter the market, and maybe you're a little better, um, you know, so you got to kind of always be looking for who else out there might be a good lead source that you can buy them from. Right. And uh, I I know enough about the internet stuff to be dangerous, but I I am not, you know, I'm not the guy that wants to go out there and and do a pay per click campaign, and I don't even want to manage <laughs> doing it. Um. You know, I I know some guys that do it. They're really good at it, and man, they can. They're, they're good, but I'm I'm not. And it's you know, from my in my marketing budget right now, it's hard to find somebody that that knows what they're doing for the amount for the budget I would want to spend monthly. Yeah. So, well, hey, I'll uh, give I'll give a shameless uh, plug for uh, one of the internet companies I use. Actually, it's CashHomeBuyers.com. Yeah. And yeah. I actually really cheap and get a lot of leads from them just from organic search that they have what what zip code are you in michael uh well there's a lot of them but i'm in el paso county uh i i know who has cash home buyers in my oh you do okay okay yeah they they send me some of their leads every now and then like if they're they they do a lot of short sales and rehabs but if it's like a creative finance thing sometimes they'll send them to me and let me negotiate them (laughs) that that is a great great strategy for finding leads i'm glad you brought that up michael because if you do creative real estate like michael does like i do you network with your wholesalers in your area and tell them, hey, what do you do with those leads that you throw away that don't have any equity or whatnot? Um, and work right. something out with them. Have them send you the leads, and you'll pay them five hundred, a thousand bucks. That's yeah. When I started, uh, one of the I, I got, I basically went to one of the the Homevestors franchises. Uh-huh. Ah, and uh, you know they they were getting tons of leads, so. You know, they wanted to sell the leads, and I kind of worked out, well, I'll work the lead. I'll do all the work, and if I make a deal, I'll pay you, you know, a referral fee. And it would have been higher than buying the leads outright, but when I was getting started, I had, like, no marketing budget. Right. (laughs) 
So it's easier to pay them on something where I already received a paycheck than to pay them up front on something that I might not get a paycheck from. Yep. So uh, that that worked really well. And I mean, and again, if there's not a home investor, there's got there's got to be plenty of other investors that only do wholesale and retail and can't use all those other leads that you can do potentially some creative finance with. Well, so. let's let's talk about how to find those people. I mean, to find the the services that will sell leads in your market, you just really need to go to Google and type in We Buy Houses and see who comes up. Yep. And, uh, you know, look at the sponsored results that at the top and on the side. Go to their website and see if they have a link for, you know, investors for selling the leads and contact them. And remember, this stuff is negotiable. You can negotiate things. But if a territory is already taken a sneaky way to find out who that is is to fill out your information and and uh and get <laughs> I want to sell my house for $5. I'm going to call real quick. One, and and then ask the wholesaler, "Hey, you know, I'm an investor. I do creative stuff and uh, I can probably do things with those leads that you can't or you don't want to and you want to throw away. Let's work something out." Um I've done that. I know people who are doing that a lot in uh, on the East Coast. Um one thing I will say with um Internet leads, they are some of the most motivated sellers because anytime somebody goes to Google and just does a search for sell my house fast or whatever, um, they want to sell their house. The, the problem, though, is is they're also going to three or four other websites and putting their information in. So when you get these Internet leads, you've got to, be, you've got to call them back immediately and, and be, be quick to uh, jump on those. Would you agree, guys? Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. I would definitely agree. Would <laughs> <laughs> um, you agree that they are very motivated, sometimes even more motivated than other lead sources? For sure. Um, I th one thing I have found, too, though, is with, with House Buyer Network in particular, since I do use them, um, a lot of the homes are in areas I have no interest in. So um, what would you say, Michael, you have found to be like uh, what in, what percent of the leads do you get are in areas that you're even interested in oh percentage that's a good question I, I mean I would say I probably at least half the leads I get are not price point where I want to be not right. neighborhood where I want to be or it's a modular or mobile that I that I'm not interested in yeah and you know in that case it, it comes down to networking is there somebody else locally I know that wants those types of leads can I you know, share those leads. Now, now, House Buyer Network. I have to be careful. I can't, you know, because they give it to a, a realtor as well. So right. I can't give it to any other realtors. Uh, there's, you know, you you have to kind of sign some agreement with them that you're not going to cause competition for their real their local realtor in the area. But um, uh, if if you know other people that are non licensed and that you know maybe there's a mobile home, I've got like. Just in the last couple of weeks, I've gotten you know three or four mobile home leads, and uh, I, that's not stuff I'm interested in. So I'll try to find somebody. Uh, I know one main guy that does a lot of mobiles, and and you know he's going to be the person I'm going to going to talk to about that. Okay, so so back to this deal. Um, mm -hmm. You got this lead from House Buyer Network. What did you yep. do? Tell talk about the numbers on that. Um, basically, let me uh, let me find the lead here. Okay. Um, he didn't fill out a whole lot of information. Said estimated home value one hundred fifty thousand, um, and the rest of it was pretty much blank. No reason for selling. No urgency. Uh, but I called him. You know, I, I kind of built some rapport on the phone. He was out. You know, he was a couple hour drive away for the most part. Um, 
you know, he said it had been rented for a, a long period of time, and because of health reasons for his son, he needed to do something with the house. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's all I need to hear. Free and clear. That you know, we're we're good. We can figure something out. We also have a vacant house, and we've got a seller that's you know an hour and a half, two hours away. That's that creates motivation. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, anytime I've got a vacant house and an owner far away, and especially something with a big chunk of equity, I'm going to go. I'm not going to negotiate too hard on the phone. Um, there's opportunity. And if the guy's willing to drive down here, um, all the better. So, met him at the house, did a quick walkthrough, kind of showed him average retail, um, basically got down to the point where we made. Uh, I made him multiple offers. I made him an all cash offer, and then I also made him a fully financed offer. I made him a ten grand down offer, and I made him a twenty grand down offer. And basically, the more cash, the lower the price. The higher the price, the less cash out of pocket. And he just said, based on his situation, he really needed, uh, really wanted to go with the all cash. And um, uh, basically, we we signed the deal up right then, and and that was about it. You know, so I was at the house probably less than a half an hour. So talk a little bit about the different offers you made again. Um, the one, the first offer with no down was uh, owner financing, I assume, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep, because it's free and clear. Um, okay. and, I'll, and I'll tell them, I, I give them this big kind of long rendition of, you know, you're going to see a very huge spread in what I'm willing to pay you. Um, you know, I'll give them the rendi- you know, kind of walk through all these are net offers. There's no commissions, there's no concessions, there's no closing costs. So it's all net to you. Um, in one case, I'm going to premium price the house for what I'm willing to pay. One, because uh, it's fully financed. I don't say 100% financing, I say fully financed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say, I'm also in that scenario, I'm looking at. I don't have to do the same type of rehab as I have to do if I'm if I have to retail the house, and it's a totally different price point, totally different amount of work I need to do, and you know I'm kind of explaining to him up front, and I also kind of give him the warning, and you know the, the all cash number that's usually typically very low because I got my back against the wall, I've got a lot of risk, I got a lot of capital out of pocket, and I've got to get this house sold, yeah, and you know which means ultimately if it's risky for me. Guess what? It's risky if he does that too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so anyway, it gets down to the point where I kind of build it up that uh, you know this price is going to be just so low that he's he's probably not going to like it. But it helps me build rapport as opposed to just blurting out a number and you know having him choke or something. Well, and, and you're giving him options, which is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And, and I explain why. Uh, you know, I, I basically show them how I make a profit on the various offers, yeah. and and why I'm doing it. Look, if I have to borrow more money from my private investor, I got to pay them a higher return on that money, so I got to compensate for that in the purchase price. Good. So, you know, I'm very upfront with how I make a profit, where I make a profit, where I get the capital, all all these fun things. And, and you know, in some cases, maybe I'm the my own private investor, but ultimately, if I'm investing, I want a high yield. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, on your first offer, um, you're giving them full retail, full price for it. Are you? A- what kind of terms are you asking for? Uh, the first offer basically was. Um, hold on, let me get my offer sheet here because I've got it right here. Oh no, I didn't write it down. Oh wait, yeah, I did. Uh, one. One twenty-eight. 
was my fully financed offer, and I basically took out, um, you know, it it had a retail value about. I had one one retail comp at one fifty three eight, and one at one fifty four, at eighteen days on the market. So selling pretty quick with original windows, original kitchens, but in in better taken care of shape. Um, to get this one in in rentable, in in, in I mean probably. 10 12 grand would make a world of difference in this house. It's not going to get me new windows, it's not going to be a rehab for the full on rehab, more like in the 25 to 27 range. So um 28 was the highest amount. I asked him what were you getting in rent for this before? And he said 750 bucks cuz he hadn't raised the rent in many 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 years uh cuz it was the same gal living there. Um, I said, well, I'll give you $750 per month, and I'll be the one paying the taxes and the insurance. And basically, that is – I take the 128 I divide it by 750 and see how many payments that works out to. And if you work it like that, that's basically zero interest. We're mm-hmm. just breaking down the principal amount by a, a monthly payment. So you're um, asking him that's, – that's fantastic. Cause I, I think that went over a lot of people's heads. So you offered him one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars, which mm-hmm. you probably showed him. Look, if you were to sell it with a realtor, that you would probably walk away with one hundred and twenty-five thousand, right? Um, no, I, I mean I kind of worked out the average retail on it, okay? Because you know I'm looking at the the short sales and the other uh, comps in there, okay? And my average retail was one thirty-three and change. Okay, so it's and you know he brought up a house down the street that there there is a rehab going down the street that's overpriced in the one sixties, and I said, I said, I said I noticed that house when I went by it, and I said, but I I also looked and I looked at what the uh, the actual average retail is, and it's one you know and I'm very specific it's it's one thirty three four twenty seven, you know I mean it's a very specific number. Um, so that kind of sets my precursor. On the all-cash deals, I, I really don't try to go overly into the net sheet um, yeah, okay. You know, unless I have to. Uh, when I'm doing terms deals, I definitely use the net sheet to get my you know, $200,000 house down to the 180, one. Okay. Yeah, so basically, you know, I just I literally take the the purchase price divided by the monthly payment and that's how many payments I'm willing to make. It was like uh, 170 payments or something. Yeah. So, let's see. 128 divided by 750 is uh yeah, 170 divided by 12. So, basically Hold on, is that right? It's about I, I, about 14 or 15 years. Yep. So fourteen years, the house is free and clear. Okay. So that was um, your first offer. You gave him pretty much full retail, pretty close to full retail. Yeah. I, I mean, I basically would have, you know, if you had to sell it, you know, you you scrape ten percent in selling costs. I'd probably have, you know, one twenty eight. Yeah. Pretty much retail value. Um, so my money there is being made in amortization and right. cash flow. Right. And so, if you were to if you were to accept that offer, you would keep that property for as long as you could, right? Unquestionably, yeah. All right, and then now, I, I I am honest with them. I say, look, I don't do long term rentals on anything. I'm gonna I'm gonna offer the house to resell on lease to own. Yeah. But I say, you know, I they don't always buy it. 
So I may get it back, and I don't want you to take this offer unless it still makes sense for you if it went the full term. I said, okay. I doubt it will, but if it did, I want you to still be okay with that. That's really good. So, All right, so what was your second offer to him? Um, well, that was the 82 cash. There was 128 was full the, the other end of the spectrum. And then I gave him a $112,000 offer uh, with 10000 down. And then I gave him a 102 offer with 15000 down. So where would you get this money for the down payments you're giving to him? Would that just come out of your pocket? Oh, goodness, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's my, a good my, answer. My philosophy is somebody's going to pay for this and it ain't going to be me. Good answer. Okay. Um, no, I'm going to get a private lender for that okay. and I will give them a piece of the house. Okay. Uh, depending on how much cash uh, is required, I, I don't do anything that is rate and term on a keeper. I do it as an equity participation. So I never have to worry about going negative. I never have to worry about uh, any negative amortization, seconds, things like that, nice. other concepts that may have been taught out there that people may be familiar with. But, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so you're, yeah. you're bringing on private investors as a partner, right? Uh, no. No. I, okay. I don't call them partners. They are lien holders on the property, but they are a lien holder with an equity participation. Nice. So I'm the owner. I'm the decision maker. They're buying. They're they're basically investing in a lean position. As long as uh, and they're they're investing in that lean position, equity position, for as long as yes. you hold the house, you're not making any payments to them. Correct. In the in the in the some occasions with people I've done a lot of business with that need tax uh, issues, we will carve up the benefits differently. Where. I'll have the investor purchase, be the purchaser on the property. So I'll sign the deal over to them, and then I will take back a lease with option on the property, and and we'll carve up the benefits that way. But I, I don't have any partners. I don't have. I'm, I don't do joint ventures. I mean, we kind of sometimes refer them that way in in polite company. But yeah. I don't go around town telling people I have partners. I, I don't. Other than my wife, my wife is my partner, and that's the only one I need. So, yeah, so you're staying in control. Yes. Um, then talk a little bit about how you protect the uh, what I forgot what you called them equity. Um, uh, my 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 lender they're they're secured in in I, I put them in second position. Okay. Uh, I put the I put the homeowner in first position. Okay. Good. As they should be. Yeah. I don't do any substitution of collateral. That, that's or, sorry, really coordination. That, that's important um, to note. Go well, it, it it is, and, and I mean, if everybody were working things above board, doing subordination, uh, it, it is great. But it, it doesn't always work out that way, and some people don't play by the rules, and some people end up in the papers, and sometimes bodies go look for other situations where that has occurred, yeah. and and I don't want to be on that radar. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I I do you know I protect both people. I protect the person I bought the house from. I protect my lender. They're in a safe position. I mean, there's not a lot of equity, but they're behind a first note that is paying down very rapidly. Yeah. And these people are typically people that have done business with me a, a lot. A yeah. lot of the people that are going to give me that second position note, I've probably invested their IRA money or their money outside of an IRA against many fix and flips. I've churned their money. I've made them a lot of paid them a lot of interest, and uh, you know I've proven myself to them. Right. So uh, they're they're willing to go long term with me, and and they they like these types of deals. Good. So. Good. Okay. So your first offer was uh, pretty much owner financing, principal only payments. 
Mm-hmm. Your next offer, you had a lower price, more money down up front. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you still structure principal-only payments? On, yes. On, okay. Yeah. And your next offer now, was sometime, uh, now sometimes um, I will I will stair step the payment. Like the more cash I'll give them down, the lower the purchase price, but also the lower the monthly payment. Okay. And it, and it might not be drastic. In this case, I might go from you know seven fifty fully financed to seven hundred. Uh, with ten thousand down or six fifty, um, but you know either way, I'm going to try to make one offer maybe look a little better, a little stronger than the other. Right. And then your fourth offer is all cash. Correct. Yeah. And that's usually sixty percent, seventy percent of after yeah, repair. That, minus- and unfortunately, that you know that's great. Ooh, eight grand. I mean, you know, not that I'm going to kick eight grand out of the bank account, but um, that's my least favorite offer to yeah. be perfectly honest with you because that's where I make one payday and I make the least amount <laughs> but I make it right now right and that's great uh yeah you know no I'm not gonna you know kick kick an eight thousand dollar deal out of the out of the hopper but again I'd rather get one of the other offers because I'll make a lot more money on that right I'm just gonna make it over time differently well, I mean, part of the key to surviving in the in this business is learning how to generate cash now, but also cash later. Kind of like when you yeah. work, you know, yeah. you when get I your payday started, and I, your I retirement. Really wanted that eight thousand dollars, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, it was you, more about the eight thousand than the future bank. And now I'm more interested in the future bank than the right now. You know, the right now is more taken care of. So, right, there's no cereal called equities. Right, you can't eat yes. equities. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> you can only, you can only, you know, you need that cash now, but you also need that retirement as well. Yeah. That's why wholesaling is so important to understand because you can still do all the other strategies um, and, and still become an expert in creative financing and owner financing and subject twos. But if you don't have a method to pay the bills that are come due every month, and, and then and you're going to sink pretty quick, and that's why wholesaling is so good because um, you just need to wholesale. I mean, I don't know what your what your finance. Everybody needs to know how to wholesale. Exactly. I, I think if you're going to be in this business, you need to understand how to how to wholesale. I mean, it is the simplest transaction out there. And if you can't do wholesaling, I mean, I don't know if you're going to be able to figure out the rest of the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well said. Wholesaling is, and I, you know what's funny? My story. Uh, when I was getting started, I read every course I bought, and I've bought a lot of them. They talk about wholesaling. It's one of the most important things to understand. And I thought, man, that's just not sexy enough. You know, I don't need to know that. I want to do the big dollar things, you know, the big complicated transactions or whatnot. And it wasn't until my back's against the wall and I'm seriously in a cash poor situation. Uh, I, I, I dusted off the, those old courses and looked at wholesaling again from a different perspective. And uh, I realized the importance of making a quick nickel rather than a slow dime. And uh, started wholesaling and I started making money. Um, That's really, really key. Um, Michael, talk a little bit about rent to own, lease options, lease purchase. Uh, Why do you like that strategy so much? Well, I think the point, uh, when I first got started, it was a means to overcome a bad pool of tenants. Um, When I started in business in 2003, financing was pretty loose. If somebody was a well-qualified 
a tenant, they were probably interested in buying more than renting. Yeah. So in that case, now I'm getting somebody that's got a little more skin invested in the game. They've got a down payment invested. Um, they're thinking buyer mentality. I'm, I'm getting a better person in my house as opposed to a bad tenant with a, you know, only a security deposit. Yeah. Now, as my business developed, as I learned the marketing systems, I, I kind of realized, you know, a house is a house is a house. And now there are some of them that I like better. There's some of them I like worse. But it's really just a marketing equation to go find another one. And in that aspect, tax-wise, there's if you know what you're doing, you know how to do an exchange, there's no reason why you have to pay any taxes on that. So it's only in your advantage to sell it quicker and be able to buy the next one at a discount because you basically total. I mean, you improve your your return on investment much, much, much faster. And and just as an example, I buy one house and let's say it's a two hundred thousand dollar house, and I buy it on terms, and I buy it for you know a hundred and eighty thousand. Nothing, nothing crazy, but in one and a half years, I sell it to my tenant buyer and I get twenty thousand dollars out of the property. But now I go buy another house, that same $200,000 house for 180, and I take my 20 profit and I dump it in. So now I've got a 160 uh, of debt on a $200,000 house versus keeping the same house. I still owe roughly about 180. Okay. So I'm basically using my ability to buy the next one at a discount to increase and, and compound my returns. Um, I'm also getting more profit on the front end. I'm also getting more monthly cash flow. And should they not buy, I'm really increasing my profitability on the property over a straight rental. So that that's why I do it. Now, if I wasn't good at marketing, if I wanted to buy a specific house and I want that house and I want to keep that house for 30 years, you know, till it's paid off and I want to pass it down, that's not a good strategy because you don't want to offer to sell it to somebody um, because they might actually buy it. Right. right. <laughs> so, you, you know, you got to kind of match it to, you know, what your plans are. But, um, you know, I kind of am a bit of a deal junkie. And uh, if I sell one, whoopity-doo, I'm going to go buy a replacement and, uh, and and actually probably do better on the next one because, you know, you, you learn from every deal you do and hopefully you get a little bit better every time you do a deal. Do you ever buy homes on lease options? I, I have bought some on lease options. Um, primarily, I'm buying subject to or owner financing. Okay. But I have, you know, I have done, you know, uh, definitely done my fair share of buying on a on a lease option or a sandwich lease option, primarily. Now, when you buy homes subject to, for those mm-hmm. that don't know, that's that's you're taking over the loans. You're buying the house subject to the existing mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um. How do you structure those deals, just in a nutshell? Um, I basically purchase the property. Well, property is transferred into trust. Uh-huh. Um, then I buy the beneficial interest of the trust from the, the former owner. Okay. Uh, so title is being held in trust. 1982 Guarantee and Germain Act allows anybody to transfer their property into a trust without violating the due on sale clause. Yeah. Now, underneath the trust, buying the beneficial interest from them, that is a change in ownership and that does violate the due on sale clause. I disclose that to them, but I say, 
you know, unless you call up the bank and say, "Nana, nana, boo boo, I sold my house and didn't pay off the loan," <laughs> you know, I'm not going to call them and tell them. And I, and I mean, I say it like that. I say it jokingly, but I say, you know, they don't know. They just want to collect the payment. Yeah. Um, and that's what they're more concerned with. I said, now I'm not going to call and tell them I bought the house. We're just going to continue to send the payments until I resell it. But and that's ultimately what they want. And you know, if I get a lot of objections, I tell them, "What's your backup plan?" You know, if they call the loan due, one of one of a couple of things are going to happen. I'm going to call you up, and I'm going to say they're calling the loan due, okay? And I can't backpedal out of the deal. I can't show them half the trust and let uh, you know. Uh, yeah. But I'll either deed it back to you and then buy it back on an installment sale, or I'll deed it back to you and buy it back on a lease lease option. So ultimately, I want you to not worry about ever having to get your house back, ever having me call you up and say, hey, guess what? Here's the house back. I'm done. You're going to have a payment coming up here soon because that's not what they want. I, I let them know I've got a backup plan um, should that happen. And I've never, had, I've never had a sub-two deal called due where right. I had to pay off a loan. Why so. don't you just buy it with an installment sale from the beginning? Because uh, I'm a control freak, and I don't want to have to worry <laughs> about them doing something silly and, and messing up the title because they're still on title with an installment sale. I have all the benefits of ownership, but uh, but they could do something to, to cloud the title, or they could potentially even borrow against it. But if you had some – you could still record some kind of instrument to prevent them. They could, but there's there's nothing to say they couldn't go borrow from Aunt, Aunt – Bob or Aunt Millie yeah. and and Aunt put a third Bob. position. Well, or, uh, you know, um, I guess we are in Colorado. Aunt Bob's got a lot of money. Uh, um, they could get somebody. Uh, they could they could default on a credit card. A credit card could get a lien on the property. I mean, there's a lot of different things that could Apple that could attach to that property that could affect or impact my equity position, and yeah. I don't want to be in that position as a buyer. Okay. Um, I wouldn't be completely opposed to it. But um, I'd rather, you know, have title transfer and be in full control of, of the property. Okay. Um, so you you typically will buy a house when you buy a house, you typically sell it on a lease option. Yeah. Um, to tenant buyers, it's and you own probably about close to a hundred homes. I think you said ninety six before. Yeah. And uh, you pretty much sell all of them on lease options. Yep, all but one. Uh, and the, the one has a renter in it that I bought seventy cents on the dollar with a renter in it, and it's a good renter, and they can stay as long as they want. Yeah. So, <laughs> how if do they you, wanted to buy it, I'd probably sell it to them. <laughs> um, how do you? I no, I do a lot of lease options. I, I flip a lot of lease options, and mm -hmm. um, it's funny. I hear students all the time tell me um, I get these properties and I don't know how to find the buyers. Um, how? What's your favorite ways of finding tenant buyers? How do you market these properties when you're selling them? Yeah, you, you know the hard part is pre-qualifying how many calls you do get. Mm -hmm. um, I I don't think I think anybody that says they can't find buyers isn't looking. Um, I mean, Craigslist is free, uh, Postlets is free, um, but I would say primarily we do signs around the you know uh, one yard sign. We do area signs around. I, I don't want to call them directionals because we don't like point arrows because right, right. um, usually somebody's going to pull one that's going to lose the trail of arrows so right. we just have a, a sign with an automated number they call they can get directions to all our houses uh, it has uh, phone phone number capture um, 
and we also do rentals.com uh, and we do a premium ad on rentals.com that puts it on several yeah. uh, different websites. Uh, I would say don't do rentals.com unless you're going to do the premium. You're wasting your money because right. you're not going to be uh, high enough in the results if you don't have a premium ad. But uh, How much that does will- that cost? Uh, I think it's about 139 bucks for the premium ad. For how many? For how long? Uh, for a month. Well, well, but that's more than one property, right? No, that's that's one property on multiple websites. That much? It, um, I don't I don't pay for it, so I don't know. I think it's it's between 100 and 139. Oh, I think. I think it's. I think. Well, first of all, I was, in fact, I was just looking into this because I'm starting to do this more. If you go to rentalhouses.com. There's about 12 sites that are owned by the same company. Yes. And um, rentalhouses.com, you can list one property for one month for $40 a month. And then they give discounts. They give breaks um, if you do multiple properties. Um, It is a premium. It's a lot more expensive than Craigslist. But when you pay for those premium features, um, it does give good responses to the ad. Well, the premium ad gets your, your house up at right. the top of the results uh, on all the different sites that this company owns. Yeah, like let's say, you know, I spend forty bucks, and, and I don't, I, I honestly don't know why I haven't paid. That's yeah, probably one hundred and forty for five houses. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bet. Okay, um, we'll put that ad up as a premium, and if somebody's looking in in a specific neighborhood and a specific price point, I'm gonna be, you know, yeah. on the first page of results. Right, right. Or I don't do the premium ad, and then I'm on page. Of the results, <laughs> right? So I don't get anywhere near as many eyeballs seeing my my ad. So, and then when you're advertising on Craigslist, have you been running into problems with your ads getting ghosted or flagged? And- yeah, every now and then we we typically have a series of different ads. We do a we do a, a, a basic rent to own um, that we have. I think at least seven different variations of. So we do one services ad every day uh, on Craigslist. In the services section, and then we do one ad per day per property on the uh, real estate section. Wow, one ad per day for each property. Yeah, but each ad is different. Uh, right. If if you repost the same ad too many times or it's too similar, then they're going to pull it. Are you are you going to mm. get flagged? You're going to get. I mean, typically it's somebody who has nothing better to do with their time than to flag your ads. And right. maybe it's a competitor, maybe it's a real estate agent uh, who's bored. I, I don't know. Um, so <laughs> so you're, uh, you're doing Craigslist ads, signs, and rental websites. Yes. Much. Yeah. yeah. And then locally we have, uh, we have a lot of military here. There's an AHRN site uh, that has a lot of military properties. Uh, so we'll, we use that site uh, depending on where the house is located sometimes. Uh, there's another one, military by owner, we've used before. Uh, but I think a lot of the stuff comes from, you know, postlets. If you use postlets, that puts it out to several different sites and rentals.com. So, yeah. Now, you, are you putting the property on a lockbox and tell them to go walk through it on their own? Or are you meeting them at the property or how you do that? Uh, no, we haven't. I mean, unless we have the house occupied and we're showing it before they move. Uh, everything's on lockbox. They go out there. Um, I mean, you drive yourself nuts trying to show the properties. Absolutely, no shows. Yeah, and I mean that's that's kind of a mental set to get over when you first get started. It's like I'm not giving somebody keys to my house and go out there on their own. They might do, you know. I mean, 
they don't do anything. They're probably more scared than you are, yeah. thinking, <laughs> why are they giving me keys to how? You know, like they gotta be a neighbor watching. Um, you know, and the worst thing we've we've had happen is, you know, we had, um, you know, we've had some staging items, uh, you know, kids' toys lifted, and it probably was, you know, a kid was with their parents and you know accidentally walked out with it. I mean, you know, it's no big deal, and it's not worth all the hassle of you wasting your time and gas money going driving around like like a fool showing houses when people aren't going to show up half the time. So, yeah, and, uh, that's right. It's a huge savings of time. Do you are you staging these houses at all? Michael? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I don't. Uh, I'm a guy. You know, what am I going to – I walk in. They all look nice. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, my wife and uh, we, we have uh, a subcontractor that, uh, that does the staging, you know, very light staging. We don't do tables or chairs or anything like that, but carpets, towels, candles, uh, little trinkets, toys, things like that to kind of give it, uh, you know, an emotional feel uh, and very, add some color. very important. Even if it's a rent-to-own, it's important that you do that, isn't it? Uh, I, I think so. I, I definitely think it makes a difference, um, and it makes our properties stand out. Now, I you know I've done a lot of training in my local area, so I'm not saying I'm the only one that does staging, but uh, yeah. on on rentals. But uh, you know, we we probably, I mean, most rentals are generic, boring white. They look like the white tornado on the inside. They look like rental properties. And yeah. ours are, you know, we have two-tone paint. We have the beige walls. We have the white trim. We have some staging items. It it has some color in the house. It it just feels more like a home instead of a, a rental. You, you know, I mean, totally different feel when you walk into one of our houses. So. And do you go in, do you paint, clean carpets, things like that? Do you spend money on fixing the house up? Uh, we keep our houses looking nice okay. because – a nice tenant wants a nice house. Uh, a junky tenant will take a junky house. <laughs> right. Um, not to say we don't occasionally do. We'll do a uh, like a sweat equity rent to own, uh, depending on the circumstances. But most of our houses, um, you know, we have to probably do more pre-screening on a fixer upper rent to own than we do on a pretty one. Right. Because I need to make sure this person is a high caliber tenant that actually is looking for an opportunity. And has capital to do what they say they're going to do. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, for instance, I bought a I bought a house cash. This is the last house I got a loan on, uh, but really good West Side neighborhood. Um, you know, ra- brick raised ranch on a third acre lot, mature trees, excellent neighborhood, uh, excellent schools. Uh, bought a two hundred thirty two thousand dollar house for one hundred and thirty three. And it was, it was dated. That was the, the only thing wrong. And in lieu of doing a $25,000 rehab on it, we took $25,000 off the price and we offered it uh, to our list. We had 14 applications over the course of a weekend. And we, uh, my wife pre-screened them down to two people. And she picked the one that had the money in the bank to do the work that they agreed that they would do. Um, and that's who we put in the property. So we don't put somebody in there that some handy Harry thinks they can do the job because they're probably just going to do the half the work. And, and the half they usually do is the ripping out of the carpet and the ripping out of the kitchen cabinets and the ripping out. And then they realize they don't have the money to actually do the fix them up part, yeah. which is more important stuff. So, um, 
you got to make sure they have the resources and the skills. And, you know, if they don't have the skills, you need to make them very clear that this work needs to be done by a licensed professional. So, Right, before they move in. Do you use realtors at all to sell your houses? Or you do Uh, everything lease option? All the rehabs are are all all sold on with a real estate agent. Okay. Um, I use it. I use a top performer, but all the rent-to-own houses, we, we do our own marketing, and, and uh, my wife does the pre-screening and, and fills those. And you sold this one, um, the one, the 132, with that big spread, but you mm-hmm. did a rent-to-own on that one. Yes, yeah. Why that? We did that? The, the hard money refi two-step, um, bought it with hard money, uh, refinanced it out, um, and put a permanent loan on it, and then did, did a rent-to-own on it, so... Okay. Okay. Michael, let's but talk. I, I don't think I can do that anymore. That was 2008 when I bought that one. I don't think I can get any more loans anymore, so I don't bother trying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Michael, let's talk about marketing. Um, mm-hmm. There's two things about marketing. Number one is the list that you're sending to, and number two is what you send to that list. Um, talk a little bit about wh- why the list is so important, and what do you mean by that? What do you- what kind of marketing? What, well, first of all, what what is your favorite forms of marketing, and uh, how, what kind of list are you targeting? Well, I I would say my favorite right now, and and there's a lot of things I'm not doing anymore because I'm not trying to go as mock speed as I as I used to. Um, but my favorite are internet marketing, uh, meaning search engine and and paid leads, and direct mail. And and those are the two things I'm doing primarily outside of what I would call network marketing. And and I don't mean network in the sense of let me invite you over for dinner and show you a little chart with a bunch of circles <laughs> and, you know, and pyramids. So, uh, I'm, I'm talking about network marketing in building your own personal network of people that you know and, and that know you and know what you do. And a lot of my business nowadays is referrals. Uh, and and realtors, and that just comes slowly over time. And and I was probably uh, a bad decision not to work that from an earlier standpoint. Um, I'm more of an introvert. I mean, it's probably hard to tell that when you get me talking about houses. But um, I, I I'm I'm kind of a wallflower at net, networking events. I'm not very good at that. Um, and I didn't really focus on it. I just kind of le- learned how to mail postcards. I learned how to do marketing, learn how to get uh, people out there, get my message in front of people so they would call me. Um, but there's a lot of money on the table uh, working with and networking with agents and mortgage brokers and, and anybody and everybody who might be able to bring uh, a deal to you at some point. Right. And uh, that, that's been very valuable to my business over the last several years. So we've talked about internet marketing, what you kind of do there. Um, you don't do your own pay-per-click, but you just buy leads from other people who are doing that, right? Yeah, I don't. I'm I'm kind of in communication with a, a guy who has figured it out, and he's trying to do it for other people in areas. So I, I might be doing my own pay-per-click to my own website. Um, but I do have Search Engine. I, I have a guy that does Search Engine marketing for me. Um and I pay him a monthly fee, and 
you know, I get I don't get a flood of leads, but I get good quality leads from that. Because yeah. if they get to my website, if they can see my testimonials, if they can see, you know, me and and my message there, I, I get a pretty good qualified person there, and I I have a very high conversion rate. Um, and it works a heck of a lot better than you know we used to do a lot a lot of print and yellow pages and uh-huh. things like that, and man that just fell off the map. I, really? I mean that from one year was a real money maker to it next year oh not so good. Year after that it was pretty much worthless. Um, it, it's pretty amazing the demographic of people that are going to the internet now to find a solution for everything. And uh, th- this gentleman, I just did the wholesale deal yesterday. He's probably late 60s, early 70s. And he went to the internet for a solution. He didn't go to print media. And that's a drastic hmm. change I've seen in the time I've been in this business where yeah. an, an older demographic was more likely to go to a print media source, a Yellow Pages, uh, something like that. Than uh, than the internet, and nowadays it they seem to be just as likely to to go on the internet as uh, and 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 not use a print media source. So, so talk about your direct mail. What do you like to send? Postcards, letters? Do you vary it? Much? Um, now um, it's pretty much all postcards for the most part. I've done a lot of letter campaigns in the past. Um, you know, there's a lot of intricacy to getting that done right and getting them, you know, a lot of them in the mail. Um, nowadays, I, I've got a pretty good postcard system. It's easy. I don't have to have a lot of moving parts. Um, and, and again, at this point, I'm, I'm more about keeping things simple than going Mach 5 with my hair on fire. Um, uh-huh. You know, I like doing, I like doing deals. I'll do you know, three, four, five deals a month. Um, some of those will be creative finance. Some will be flips. Some of them will be retail. Um, and and that's enough. Right. <laughs> you know, that's plenty. Um, and and I don't. You know, we we had people doing letter stuffing, um, and and it works, but it it's costly. I'd say over time, I've gotten a pretty good method of mailing postcards. I use a service called Click to Mail. It's mm-hmm. pretty darn easy. It's um, merge your list, uh, click, 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 uh, put your credit card and, and hit send and, right. and you're good. Right. And, uh, they get delivered their first class or, or at least stand or whatever. I mean, they get there. It's not bulk mail. Uh, I don't believe in full color, shiny, glossy marketing. I think it ends up in the trash. Mm-hmm. I do a basic four by six yellow postcard. I use a merged headline. Uh, and I merge the seller's name and I merge the property address on there, tell them I want to buy the house. I usually give them a specific date uh, uh, that I want to buy the house by um, and some kind of reason why. And it doesn't need to be a good reason. It just needs to be a reason why. Um, I'm usually very direct. I've got a, a small 4 by 6 postcard to get across the point. I want to buy the house. Here's why I want to buy the house. And here's – I put some basic pre-screening stuff in there typically like uh, same that you'd net by you know selling it. But unlike you know the traditional way, you can show it to one person. Uh, I'll get you the same net. I'll close around your schedule. I'll take it in as-is condition, blah, 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 call here. Uh, 
I typically still force a phone number, but I do put my website is on the return mail. I really would uh, – I, 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 and I haven't tested this in a while. I'll admit that. But um, I'd get a much better response rate if I force the phone number than the website. Yeah. Um, and and I can track it. If they, if they pick up the phone and call, I know where they heard about me because I'll track it from – Here's the extension they called when they talked talk to the operator, and the operator asked how they heard about me. They give, I mean, they say a, a letter or a sign or the internet, and it's like, no, they didn't. <laughs> you know, I saw what extension. I know what made you call. Um, so I, I found that just asking the question isn't doesn't provide accurate uh, marketing data. You know, right. for tracking where where I'm getting uh, getting the, the leads. So who do you who again, do you try use to, to answer your phones, Michael? Uh, I used a company called Voice Connect. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, they basically, I have a, a phone number that has a bazillion different extensions. Uh, I can copy the same message to uh, different extensions uh, just for tracking purposes, and then they can hit zero at any time and transfer to a live operator. And that operator will go through my whole buying, you know, uh, script of what questions I want to know. And you've been so, pretty happy with them. I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, ultimately they all suck to a certain extent, but um, <laughs> you know, you know, the, the, there's always the pain in the butt factor of transferring to a new one, and um, you know they've gone through some changes. Um, I, I don't think they're any better or worse than some of the others. I think Pat Live is another good a good source. Um, there was another company, and I can't, man, I can't remember who they were, and and they they got so pricey that I couldn't use them. Um, so I, I mean, I, I won't say anything bad about Voice Connect other than they, they don't always get back with you if you want to change something, but uh, or at least on the, on a prompt level. But um, how expensive uh, are they per month? Would you say for their live stuff? They cost me a fraction of what an employee would. <laughs> yeah. So okay. I, I think it's all relative. Um, I. I would say my bill with them is probably, and I, I've got the same system on the on the on the other side for the tenant buyers. So, I mean, I think we're probably between three to five hundred bucks a month for that. Okay. With with all the live op, I mean, live operators would cost you more than anything, just the minutes. But uh, now was not vo- getting was Voice minutes, Connect was Voice Connect the. Um- preferred service of a certain guru who taught subject twos way back in the day yes yes okay yes <laughs> okay that's why it sounded familiar to me <laughs> yeah and, and i use them too somewhat um it isn't cheap that's for sure um but it's um oh it's, wow it, it's good to have a, an ability for the seller to press zero to talk to somebody live yeah. Um, Can I ask who you who do you use, Joe? I use Voice Connect, but actually, oh, you do. Okay. Yeah, that that's for I have different numbers. One of the numbers they go to Voice Connect. The other number just goes straight to voicemail, and uh, okay, I, I call them back. Either me or my VA call them back, um, which okay. is what Alex does we have, too. We have another company. I think they're they're na- national, but they're called um, Answer Connect. Oh yeah, um, and they do. You know they're pretty good at, um, you know they can pre-screen people out. They can do scripts. I think that you can have them, you know, submit data on your website. Um, 
you know, things like that. So, I mean, the, you know, that's another option. And we, you know, we had a virtual, like an executive office suite here locally, and they were doing it for us. And then we decided we didn't really need them anymore. Um, we, we got a, a different office location, but uh, we started using Answer Connect uh, for all our, you know, basically that's a local number where I'm not tracking marketing. Okay. Um, and that's just, you know, once somebody gets a hold of me, once I give them a business card, once I make an offer, they can get, they get that number and they can get get through to me as opposed to getting a, a message or a 24-7 operator um, who pre-screen. I mean, the, the whole idea of that is they're, they're pre-screening some people out. If they're not going to answer some of the questions I want them to know, um, then I'm probably not going to do business with them. Do you ever call the so. leads back who never never left a message or never pressed zero? I did not used to, but I would say – Older demographic, um, like the free and clear properties, um, if I'm going after people that have owned the property a long time, I see a lot of those people will call in and not talk to the live operator. And I know that's who it is based on the extension. I do pick up the phone and call them sometimes. Yeah. Uh, well, not, not sometimes. I do pick up the phone and call them because I find a lot of them say, oh, thank you for calling. I you know, they're interested. They just, the, the technology maybe confuses them or, you know. I don't want to speak to your machine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I want to talk to a person, you know. That's right. And, and I, I get that a lot, you know. And sometimes they'll hit the operator and they'll say, I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to somebody important. <laughs> you That's know, I right. talk to the guy in charge. You know, who's this guy that sent me the postcard? That's who I want. Um so uh, yeah, I do. I definitely call them back. If it's a you know, if I'm doing sub two marketing, if I'm doing uh, you know things like that, if they don't talk to the operator, I don't want to talk to them. You know, anything that's low equity, um, you know, if they won't fill out every single question on there, for the most part, I don't want to talk to them. Okay. But if it's a high equity list, then I want to talk to as many of them as I can. Interesting. Um, let's talk about the list, Michael. Um, mm -hmm. what are some of your favorite lists to mail to? Um, absentee owners, uh, out of state absentee owners has been probably the evergreen list for me over the years. And if I had to pick one thing and nothing else, that would be it. Um, now keep in mind, I, I probate would be a great list, but it's in my County. I can't get a, all the heirs. Um, so I can only mail the personal representative, not all the heirs. And if you can get it in the county, if you can get the files and you can get the heirs, that would be probably one list that you would never have to do anything else. Um, at least if you're looking just for, for equity situations, flips, uh, and the occasional creative finance deal. Um, I mail condemned. Um, well, not just condemns, but serious code violation list. Uh, at least in one of the count, one of the anything in Colorado Springs, like uh, Fountain is another little town that I buy in. They won't, they won't give me the list. Um, I've done evictions in the past. That's a little harder, uh, and I find often it, it's a lot of due diligence to figure out do they have an actual property that I want. So now just by mailing absentee owners, I kind of inadvertently get there and drip on that list. Um, what else do I do? Um, I do follow-ups to anybody and everybody I mail, uh, I, I have made an offer to. Yeah, uh, I good. hit that list hard. 
uh, that's probably 50% of the business right there hmm. uh, wow. from your marketing. So, I mean, that's that's a huge – if you don't follow up with who you've already talked to and or made offers with, I think you're wasting a lot of your marketing dollars. That is key. Your best list is your follow-up list. Absolutely. Unquestionably. So you got to make sure you've got a big follow-up list, which means you got to have a lot <laughs> coming in the funnel. <laughs> right. I've heard that from many people. That's key. Um, so absentee owners with equity, or I mean absentee owners, you, you'll even look at their equity, or, or how do you screen that list of absentee owners? Primarily by sale date. Okay. Um, in my county, I don't get, I can't get a, an LTV list without a mortgage broker license. Um, so I just kind of go by sale date. Anything less than ten years is low equity. Anything, you know, twenty years and older, that's that should be high equity. Is it always? No, but a lot of them free and clear. Okay, and it's cheap. I can get that list for for next to nothing from my title company. Hmm. The um. And they get it from Real Quest. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, yeah, we're both Alex and I really uh, like Real Quest a lot. Um, what thing that one thing that is key, um, and you probably already know this, I'm sure. If if you do. Give me all of the homes that have a sale date before 1980, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll be fine. It'll give you a bunch of homes, but it will not give you the homes that don't have a sale date. In other words, the ones that were bought before they started keeping records of that stuff. Do you ever go in and get the uh, properties that don't have a sales date on them? Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, and usually... If it's a blank sale date in my area, it's a pre – I think it's around 1984 or – it's either 84 or 86 in okay. my county when the records went online. Um, anything prior to 1980, let's just say it's 84, uh, it's blank because they don't have that data. Right. Uh, so I know if it's blank, it's an old sale date. If it's a dash, then it's a quit claim deed. And that's that's another potentially good marketing list where it doesn't matter if it's an old sale date. There's some type of, of quit claim transaction there. Uh, it could be a divorce. It could be probate. It could be a lot of different things that are causing that uh, that transfer. So that's a good list. And you don't have to go for old sale dates. They can be very recent. Good. Yeah. Absolutely. And again, um, that's pretty easy list stuff to get. It's it's not overly complicated, but most people aren't going to go to that kind of hassle to do it. I find most most you know investors are primarily relying on a real estate agent to find them a deal in the MLS, and that leaves a lot of really good deals for those of us that are willing to work a little harder by creating the marketing systems and implementing those marketing systems and those are going to be far better deals like right now I'll tell you the same house you know we keep bringing up this house I wholesaled yesterday had this thing been listed at $82,000 on the multiple listing service I guarantee this thing would have bid up been bid up over a hundred hmm. so it was no deal if it ended up on the MLS. It's a deal because he didn't end up on the MLS. He went directly to an investor, um, and, and that's how the deal was was sourced. So, 
In fact, I think some. I think that house probably could have sold in the one twenties as is on the MLS. So. Now, Michael, have you ever sent direct mail directly to the homeowners of listed properties? Yes, and what? I'm not. I'm not licensed. Okay. Let me disclose that. So, <laughs> how did that? How'd that go? Um, I would say a lot of my sub two deals come from people that can't sell by listing it. Bingo. And mm-hmm. um, I, I've got three of them I'm looking at right here on my desk, and and that's the situation. And I they know what I'm they know my offer. They're waiting to the last minute to see if they can get something on the MLS, and if that doesn't happen. Mikey's going to get a call, and Mikey's going to buy a house up too. <laughs> right. Now you're, so, you're not sending the marketing to the realtor. You're, no, you're sending no. this directly to the homeowner. No, and I disclose to the seller. I, I say, look, you need to you need to work this out with your agent. You either need to get them to retract the listing, or we need to wait to it expire. Because I don't want a reputation of trying to weasel around a real estate agent's back. Um, they need to be okay, and and let the listing go or or wait till it expires you know they're contacting me uh i'm not contacting them necessarily um because sometimes they're just getting an email because or they're getting marketing because they're getting marketing or they're finding me on the internet right so um you know but there are cases where i'll hit expired listings or seasoned listings and i want to hit them a couple of times so they contact me before they make a a relisting decision oh so but i i'm talking about sending direct mail to actively listed properties to the agent or to the homeowner to the homeowner yeah okay. usually i'll do it with some seasoning like 60 okay. 90 days on the market at a minimum okay um because and, and that's because a lot often Around 90 days, um, if nothing's happened, somebody can get out of the listing. And, and a lot of, I mean, in our area, I see a lot of short listing periods. Yeah. Uh, like the people flat out, the military say, "Look, I got to do something in 30 in 90 days. If not, I got to I got to worry about renting it or something else." So. Well, you know, uh, you're you're absolutely right. You're telling the sellers, "Don't cancel your listing agreement." I'm not trying to work around the realtor. You could even, I mean, the seller could still pay an agent a commission. Um, they could, and this yeah. happens all the time. A listing is, uh, you know, it's been on the market for ninety days, and the seller tells the agent, "Look, if you don't sell this house next month or this month, I'm going to have to rent it." And they have to revise the listing agreement, change it, yeah. change the listing to a rental, and then the agent will only get uh, one month's uh, one month's rent as a commission yeah. um, instead of the full commission. So, um, I think that um, it's a very powerful marketing technique that not a lot of people are afraid to are, are afraid to do and a lot of, not a lot of people do it um, but you got to be real careful um, but yep. I know it's something that I'm looking into doing myself and I know my thought is I want to get there before it expires right because once it expires they're getting a barrage of marketing from other real estate agents and everybody else mm-hmm. so I want to get there right before it expires and hit them a couple of times so they can think of me as a potential other option as opposed to relisting Correct. And it's important when you're approaching those sellers to, um, even though you may wholesale the deal, uh, you are the buyer. You're buying that house. Correct. Um, very good. Anything else that you like as far as uh, mailing? I know you talked about absentee owners, um, distressed properties like uh, code violations. Um, Yep, uh, code t- violations are great. Um, I just I'm not in a marketplace where we get an excessive amount of those. Okay. 
Um, I know some investors that are in bigger marketplaces and they have a lot bigger list to market to, and that's kind of their whole source of leads. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, any one good list for your area could be your whole business. Right. Um, I, I don't think it should, but it, it could be. I, I mean, if I had to pick one list and somebody had a gun to my head and like, who are you going to market to? And you, if you had to put a deal together, it's going to be an out of state absentee owner. Okay. Um, because that that has been a common source of leads for me for years and years and years, um, but there, there's plenty of other stuff, and I think a, a lot of people, and, and again, this is just my opinions formed from from training people, is a lot of people won't even do the basic stuff. They'll they'll try to well, I want to do something more complicated. Uh, I mean, get the basics done. There's a right. whole lot more people on an absentee owner list than there are in a condemned property or, or a code violations uh, property list. So, I mean, go after as many as you can so you get as many opportunities to put a deal together. Right. So, And how just, frequently just, do you mail your absentee list? Um, Probably quarterly. And, and, and that varies. I, I have a really well thought out and you know Excel spreadsheet with a marketing plan, and it really boils down to how many freaking leads do I have to cluttering my desk right now, yeah. and am I going to stick to my campaign or not? Because <laughs> <laughs> um, you know over the summer there, I just had too much stuff, and I literally I just turned off the the, the mail for a while, mm-hmm. um, and because I had too you know too much working. I you know I am my own buyer. I don't have anybody. You know, cold calling. I don't have VAs. I probably ought to listen to your calls on that. I, in fact, I wrote that <laughs> down. That, that, uh, like, yeah, I need to listen to that. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, that's that's the stuff in the business that I like to do. I like the negotiation stuff. Um, I want to be somebody who is good at that task because I think that's the highest paid activity we can do. Yeah, it absolutely is. Well, we'll we'll hook you up, Michael. All right. Yeah. Well, I will go. I'll sign up on the website so I can get your call because I know you guys are doing that. And yeah. I probably ought to figure out how to implement that in my business. <laughs> I got a question for you now. We're coming to uh-huh. the end here. Um, let's say you all of a sudden found out you had to move to another city mm-hmm. um, in a state that you didn't know anybody. You didn't have any network. Nobody knew you. You didn't know any realtors, title companies, lawyers, whatever. Um, and you had to make money to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you do? What, what would be some of the steps you'd take to start making money? In, well, in to, to get that first paycheck, I'm looking for speed. I want to put a deal together right now. Um, it, it's going to be a wholesale type deal. Okay. So how am I going to find wholesale properties? Uh, I'm going to first find out where the, the fix and flippers are fixing and flipping. And, and that's what I'm going to look for. I'm going to walk into probably a real estate agent's office. Um, I, I might go to a grocery store first and grab all the real estate books there mm-hmm. and flip through the real estate books looking for an agent that markets investment properties. Okay, And that's probably the office I'm going to go into, somebody who's used to working with investors. Uh, from that, I'm going to pull listings. I might pull a, pull a keyword search for rehabbed or renovated properties. Um, in the below median price point. I'm going to see where those listings are. I'm going to map them out. That's going to help me back into some target areas. Good. Um, I'm basically going to find the tax assessor website. I'm going to look at 
you know, who these people are. Are they entities? Are they, you know, who are the people that are flipping properties? And I'm going to go try to find out who they are and contact them oh. uh, as potential buyers. I'm going to go to every real estate club, every real estate meetup, uh, every RIA I can find in the area. If there isn't one, I'm going to go create one on Meetup, I think is probably yeah. the easiest website in the world to create a, a nice looking website for 12 bucks, I think, for a for a year or a six months or something, and I'm going to start inviting other investors to that meetup. Um, basically, I'm going to back into where the deals are being rehabbed, back into the right marketplace, back into the right price point, and then I'm probably initially going to go drive for dollars myself, take some pictures, start running some ads to get some other bird dogs driving for dollars for me. Um, I guess depending on my budget, or I'm going to get a list of all the uh, uh, you know absentee properties in that target area, and I'm going to start mailing the snot out of them. So. You just start mailing them postcards. Mailing them postcards. The, or the, if you know, if I need to do a deal this week, I'm going to drive for dollars. I'm going to get bird dogs driving for dollars, finding ugly vacant houses, and I'm going to Google phone numbers and I'm going to try to get them on the phone as quick as possible, hmm. as opposed to mailing a letter. Um, I want speed if I'm looking to do something rapidly. Very interesting. Get them speed on the phone. Is key. Yep. Start calling. Um, very good. So then you just start. You find the key is what you just said, finding where the, all the activity is. Yep. Finding the buyers. Finding the right neighborhoods and the right areas and the right price points is key, and that's going to shortcut. I, I think a lot of a lot of, you know, when I got started, I, I was I was dazed and confused, running around, not knowing where. You know, I don't know where. To, you know, so I'm looking in the neighborhoods where I'm you know, kind of living between where I live and, and work. And they were just a little too upscale neighborhoods. You know, right. there might be a wholesale opportunity in there every now and then, but not enough to, you know, not enough for a beginner to have enough opportunities. And I, I see a lot of times with people and they got, they got this one lead, this one lead and it. And it's usually some bizarre situation that could create motivation, but it's, you know, they're trying to make everything out of this one lead. And, and it's, it's never about one lead. It's I need 25 or 50 ugly vacant houses that I can bang out and mail and, yeah. and call and call and call because out of those 50, I can probably find a couple of good deals. But that one lead is never enough. And it, you, you got to have plenty of people to write offers on, and it's never just one. And well, what are your averages? If you send postcards, have you ever looked at what your average response rate are with postcards? I get that a lot. I, I'm less concerned about response rate as to how much marketing dollars to how many deals. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. Y you know, and, and I get a lot of this, you know, do you do yellow letter stuff? And I think yellow letter works right to a very targeted list because to a targeted list, I want as many people to respond. Right. I, I don't like yellow letter to a, a broad list because I don't want to talk to a lot of people. I'm I'm lazy. <laughs> right. I want to talk to well-targeted people, and I and I I, I kind of want my marketing to pre-screen out. I, I mean, I, I told you about the marketing system. I do. I make them call an operator or a, a message. Listen yeah. to that. Then to talk to an operator before they can even remotely get me on. I mean, there's a lot of hoops they got to jump through to get to me, and if they're not willing to get to me, then they're not maybe as motivated as the next person that is willing to jump. Through those hoops. Good. So, okay. 
And the, well, yeah, the other question I wanted to ask you about that same topic was then, do you know about how many sellers you need to talk to on average to get a deal? Uh, it it really depends question. on the list. But, um, it, you know, I just did a campaign. Uh, my last campaign, I mailed about 1,000 postcards. Um, let me see here. I've got them. Let me pull my little leads here. I've got one, two. I've got eight seller, uh, eight sellers that have contacted me. Out of that eight, um, working with them, I'm going to probably buy one house, maybe two. Okay. Now this is a low equity list, so these are subject to deals. Um, best best case scenario, um, and and that's why I can probably pull two out of there. Out of high equity deals, I probably need eight. And I might get one out of that, so I, I got to talk to a few more people with because um, they've got more options. You know, the more equity someone has, the more options they have. Right. And um, you, but I think you ought to be able to close one out of twenty that's got you know that has the right scenario of things that you're looking for in the deal. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Alex, do you have any other questions before we end? No, I think we are good. He uh, gave us a lot of great information. That's it's that's awesome. I on somebody who's on top of their business making things happen. That's what this podcast is all about. Yeah, and and you know Michael's doing a lot of deals, guys, but uh, this isn't out of the reach for the beginners. Uh, some of you may be thinking, "Oh man, that's just overwhelming." Sending out a thousand postcards, you know. Um, it's really, I, I, yeah. I would say thousand is like the because I'm good, right? And I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but when I was bad, when I was getting started, I had to mail a lot more than a thousand mm-hmm. um, to get the leads. So you you got to be willing, you know, if you're going to do this, you got to be willing to mail a lot to, to get to get the right deal. And right. and you got to look at it as how much in marketing am I willing to invest to get, you know, to get that $8,000, $10,000, $5,000 wholesale fee? How much of that fee am I willing to donate to the marketing cause to get enough people calling me? And mm-hmm. you know, your your numbers aren't going to be as good when you get started and you might have to donate all of it to the marketing gods <laughs> to help you get enough leads. So it helps you get the experience to become a better negotiator, become a better rapport builder, to, to work those leads better to where at some point it gets a whole lot easier and it gets a whole lot more profitable. Because if you're not willing to do it and be bad, you're not going to have enough experience to get to where you're good. So, Yeah, you've got to be um, consistent with your marketing. Absolutely. And, and persistent, not easily uh, one to give up very good any advice to um to people i know you've, you've already given enough but final parting advice michael don't you know i would say at, at some point you got to be good at a lot of things but when you're getting started pick one thing yeah and and don't don't jump ship uh don't jump farm areas pick you know if it's going to be a wholesale deal and and I think that's probably the safest smartest thing for a beginner investor to do who's gone limited resources um is to do that first wholesale deal and go through the motions and wholesaling works if you're willing to work at it set the goal set what you're willing to do and, and I mean set a goal of one doing that first wholesale deal in a certain specific 
timeline, um, you know, 90 days, uh, 45 days, um, and then set the goal of what are you going to do to get those leads? What are you going to do to get 25 to 50 ugly vacant house leads? Is it direct mail? Is it driving for dollars? Is it bird dogs? Set that specific goal. Go make it happen. Go get those leads. Go mail those leads. Go call those leads. Go do what you got to do to put the deal together and, and make it a specific goal because it's all fairy tale until you get that first one done. Um, you know, if you're if you've done a few deals, figure out what's next. What is the one thing that's going to have the the the, the next Im- impact on your business? Is it getting more leads? Is it doing different types of deals? Figure out what it is and set that goal, and then go get the information you need to. Go get somebody that can help you. Uh, you, you know, accomplish that goal. Seek out what you need to seek out to make that goal reality, and and go after it. But don't get distracted. It's it's this business is so easy to get distracted mm-hmm. um, with. Uh, uh, I mean, there's so many opportunities out there that it's easy to jump ship from one to the next to the next to the next. And it's don't don't try to be all things. Just be good at at one. Get good at that one thing, and then go get good at the next thing. But yeah. Don't stop what works. Pick another thing and, and kind of grow your business like that. Simple. Keep it simple. <laughs> Very well said. Well, Michael, thank you so much again. Um, what's a good site that people to go to if, if they wanted to get more information about you um, and uh, kind of what you do? Uh, yeah, I'm not the best internet marketer, but uh, you know I have uh, localmentor.com or michaeljake.com. People can, uh, you know, uh, or just Facebook me <laughs> yeah. and, and, <laughs> if you want you know, I'm you, on Facebook. You do have stuff. I mean, you you coach and, and mentor people, but uh, you're, you're primarily focused more on doing deals right now. Absolutely. But, um, yeah. There, there still may be uh, opportunities where people can learn some more stuff from you. And you've got a lot of really good videos on YouTube. Yep. Um, yeah. So look up. What What is your YouTube channel, Michael? Uh, local mentor. All yeah. one word. Good. Local mentor. Um, in fact, if you just Google real estate investing in, in YouTube or search for uh, real estate investing in YouTube, you will find uh, Local Mentor's channel right there. So, But, man, you've been very gracious with your time, and we really appreciate it. Um, we want to wish Anytime, you Anytime, guys. You guys got a great podcast, man. I've, I've listened to some of the videos. This is awesome, man. I wish I, wish I had, uh, had, had that when I was getting started. You guys are really doing a, doing a great service and, and just interviewing other people. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm learning a lot just by talking with you guys and uh, listening to some of the other podcasts. So I think you guys are doing a great job and uh, just happy to be a part of it. Well, thank you very much. Alex? Yes, sir. Awesome stuff. We'll talk soon. Yes, we will. Thank you, Mike. Very welcome. Thanks again, guys. Everybody go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. Check out our free bonus there, the materials that we have. And also, please leave us a review in iTunes. It helps with our rankings and uh, keeps us there on the top of the list. So go to iTunes, leave us a review, and we'd really, really appreciate it. But uh, thanks, Michael. See you, Alex. (laughs) 